a bit of fan of this show since the beginning you might recognize as this as the original theme song for the show the game motorhead it is motorhead god i love lemmy rest in peace brother but what this song is truly known for is it was a theme song for the pro wrestler triple h uh-huh. his nickname the game I thought it was a bit relevant today to play this. It used to be our Friday song, too. Years ago, we started the Friday song tradition, and this was it for a better part of a year. I brought it back, actually, on Matt Walter's last show. It was kind of a surprise (laughs) because he's also a wrestling guy. At least he used to be. I think he still dabbles, but his guy is Triple H. I was like, it makes a lot of sense to bring it back for his final show. But uh, Triple H announced today that he's officially retired as an in-ring, I'll use the term Lucy, competitor. Uh, But as a wrestler, he's no longer going to wrestle. He hasn't wrestled since 2019 anyway. But I think he's got one of the best themes. Motorhead, I think, knocked it out of the park. Absolutely. I don't think that there's a song that Lemmy didn't knock out of the park, honestly. I mean, when you're coming up with a song for a wrestler, it's it's the identity of the person. Triple H is a heavy metal fan. Always wore, like, uh, leather jackets, and it was perfect for him. Now, I will actually... Um, I'm, I'm going to put what I teased before the break aside for just a moment. Because we do have some breaking news... Now, I've never heard of this person before, but he does seem like a credible source. His name is Jake from StockRisers.com, which is a national basketball recruiting site. Covers the NBA draft. Uh, They also host a uh, basketball prospect show. They have a podcast. Uh, So it seems like a pretty credible source. Um, So I'll share what he has tweeted out as of 10 minutes ago. K-State sophomore Selton Miguel has entered the transfer portal. And he says that he's quoting this from sources told to stock risers. He averaged seven points, four rebounds, two assists this past season. And he is also the youngest member of FIBA's Angolan senior national team. Okay, so... I've not seen anybody else report this, and I haven't really had the time to go search up anywhere else to see if I can do a quick search right now on Twitter to see if anybody else has reported this. But as of right now, 
Uh, he, this Jake fella, is the only one I've seen it from. And after doing a quick search, uh, Verbal Commits has also tweeted that out, and they have nearly 100,000 followers. Verbal Commits, you said? Yeah. Yeah, they're on the money. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, Case in a Line is starting to retweet it. Yeah, it's really getting around now. So uh, it does appear so to be true, and that is Selton Miguel entering the transfer portal from K-State. So it's the first. We don't know how many. But the first name to depart K-State that did not graduate entered the transfer portal after it's been announced that Jerome Tang is the head coach of K-State men's basketball. Um, my initial reaction is that I'm not completely surprised. His last year with K-State was a disappointment. Mm-hmm. Coming out of the Angolan national team, we expected him to be a better player. Um I mean, I'm not going to take this time to to stomp all over what he did. I appreciate his time here. It's not like he didn't put in the effort to be a great player. Uh, but, I, I mean, there's no doubt, though, he didn't meet the standards of Big 12 basketball. That's for sure. He, unfortunately, is one of the prime examples of what went wrong with the program over the last three years. Just one of the examples, and that is that this program could not develop a 5 at all over the last three years. It is unbelievable that a program would get that in in deep that they could not get a a five player that was at least passable in this conference. His, his field goal shooting numbers was down from his first year as a cat. He had seven points a game both years, exactly 7.2 points per game. But his turnover numbers went up, his fouling numbers went up, um, his assist numbers did go up in his second year. Rebounding went down. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's fair to say his second year was not as good, in my opinion. His second year mm-hmm. was not as good as his first year. Now, what did truly stand out to me about Selton Miguel in his second year, um, he never lost his confidence. Confidence was something he always had. He never showed that the wheels were turning in his head. He wasn't afraid to take shots. I, I think he did pass up a lot of three-point shots uh, because he just wasn't hitting them. Mm-hmm. So he did pass up shots, but he, was, he wasn't afraid to like go to the hoop. But the issue was there was a lot of times where he should have finished and he did not finish at the hoop. So unfortunately for Selton Miguel, for this past season, there's a lot of negatives around his name. He was not a fan favorite. Um, there were a lot of times you could hear a lot of moans and groans when he made a play. And when I say make a play, attempt to make mm-hmm. a play. It just was not a successful run for Selton Miguel at K-State. He will, uh, unfortunately for him, he'll always be known for being a part of teams that just weren't very good. And he was a part of that. Um, I don't know how to take it any further than that. Uh, when it comes to the legacy of Selton Miguel, be interested to see where he lands. Mm-hmm. But it's not a surprise transfer to me. Um, now, if this recruiting class that will be a, the the twenty twenty two class, we, we heard Drum Tang talk a big game. He's bringing in some recruiting heavyweights. Now, if things work out 
you know, perfectly for this staff, you know, Selton Miguel would fall down the list. Like the talent would surpass him. Um, but um, it's just, it, it really is just unfortunate it didn't work out better for Selton Miguel. And I won't take away, you know, he, he had some good games in his time here, but it wasn't consistent play. There are just there. There are too many times where he, you know, he finished one of six from the floor. That happened multiple times. Two of nine. Just never had a great shooting percentage. Had an issue with, with finishing at the rim. He went a very long time in Big Twelve play without hitting a three. It was a very long drought for Selton Miguel without hitting a three, and I believe it was eleven or twelve straight games that he didn't hit a three pointer. Honestly, the three point shooting isn't so much what what is disappointing to me it's the finishing at the rim the failure to be able to finish at the rim uh, is unfortunately the disappointing aspect of his game to me in that it never developed he just and you've got to be able to finish at the rim in this game you have to well it baffled me at times it wasn't just Selton Miguel but it would baffle me at times how the team could be so good with the outside shooting, mm-hmm. but when they took it to the rim, just Lousy. couldn't figure it out how to get the ball in the hoop. Lousy. It, it just it it doesn't like for an outside like somebody outside looking in that was never good at basketball. You know, watching that take place just it it, it just baffled me how it didn't connect. It's almost as if they're. Well, it, one of the things I've always wondered about is is it, are you trying too hard to draw contact or are you skeptical that you're going to draw contact or even afraid you're going to draw contact and it forces you to alter your shot and then you don't draw contact and boom there it goes off the rim well and let me be exact here the one thing that just threw me off the most about paint play was when somebody would get the ball and just hold it like they expected for somebody to like jump up in the air and maybe they could draw a foul or they were expected to be fouled, or they just didn't like the matchup. Like there are a lot of things that made me like really boggle my mind of why do you just not go straight up and try to muscle your way in and finish the shot, draw mm-hmm. a foul, just be the stronger player in the paint. And that's, I mean, that was honestly something that we did see consistently happen in the big in the Bruce Weber era, was not being strong enough in the paint. And Selton Miguel was one was a guy that wanted to go to the hoop. He wanted to try to slash and try to score and was, I mean, to be honest with you, was not great at it in his second year as a Wildcat. All right. Um, I did want to try to get to this topic, and I was surprised that it really even was a topic. Uh, Drum Tang was like asked after the press conference about KU. And about, you know, back in the day, K-State used to be pretty good against Kansas. And, you know, what does it take to start beating KU now? And Drum Tang came back with an excellent response about how he's not here to beat KU. He's here to beat, or he's here to win Big 12 championships and beat everybody. And KU is not going to be this program Super Bowl. I thought that was a fantastic answer. But, you know, the whispers I heard, I heard it was brought up again at an event last night with, of course, you know, a lot of shaking hands for Jerome Tang. I'm sure he did a lot of that yesterday. But it was like at a donor th- event 
where he got to talk to donors, and I'm sure he really pushed NIL and about how a lot of money needs to start going towards NIL because that is going to be the make or break these days when it comes to recruiting. You know, the top players want to see some cash. They want to have the deals in place for when they come to these certain schools. Money, money, And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. But uh, I'm sure he was pushing that yesterday. But the question was brought up about, and I believe it was asked by Jerome Tang himself. He's like, do you guys want to beat KU or do you want to win Big 12 championships? And I was told that the the big response was actually win a, a beat KU over winning Big 12 championships. I was like, that is absolutely bonkers. That's incorrect. I was offended and a little bit embarrassed to hear that response. But then I hit the brakes. And I started to put myself in those people's shoes because I'm sure a lot of those donors and a lot of people at that meeting were around when K-State was actually pretty good in the series against Kansas. In my lifetime, it hasn't happened. I mean, heck, Bruce Weber beat KU three times, I think, and he won two Big 12 championships. I mean, heck, I think you could argue it's easier to win a Big 12 championship than beat Kansas on a regular basis. No doubt about it especially this day and age, especially during my lifetime. But I wanted to go back and try to put myself in their shoes and you know, try to think in my mind, how could somebody think that way? And I get it. And the reason I don't like the question is obviously the right answer is to do both. <laughs> you, you want both to happen. But it is, I mean, we, we saw it in Bruce Weber's first year. It's, it's possible to win the Big 12 and not beat Kansas. But I would imagine, and, and Troy, what year were you born? 71. So you were born right at the start of when K-State had a run of like 11 or 12 years where they won 21 out of 31 meetings against Kansas. And that back then, it was very common to play them three times a year. Let, the let, Jack Hartman era is what I'm getting at. Let, let me put it this way. The two things that are my first sports memories are Kansas State basketball, Kansas City Royals baseball. I have an affinity for hating a certain college down the road, and I have an affinity for hating the Yankees. None of us want to lose. (laughs) None of us want to lose to Kansas. I'm going to try to squeeze in a a bunch of stuff here I wanted to say in a short amount of time. Uh, But I I started to put myself in their shoes because I'm sure a lot of them were around at the time. I'm not calling anybody old or anything, but they can recall the time when K-State was pretty good against Kansas. I'm talking about the Jack Hartman days. But also during that time, they won three Big 12 championships. They were consistently finishing in the top three or four of the Big 8. They were doing quite well. And they want to get back to those days. I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I, that would be great. I would love to beat Kansas on a regular basis. But it's the either-or thing that just drives me nuts because it just starts an argument when clearly we all want both things to happen. I don't like choosing between the two. But no doubt about it. If I were to choose between the two, I want to win Big 12 championships. There were two wins for Bruce Weber when beating Kansas. And quite frankly, I don't know if those teams had business beating Kansas because they weren't on the same level. There's no doubt about that. We're not on the same level as Kansas until they beat KU in 2019 when the Cats won the Big 12 along with Texas Tech. But when you're winning Big 12 championships, to me, that's your best opportunity to have the consistency. I mean, players don't go to a certain place just because they want to beat a rival. They go to a certain place or go to a school because they like to win, and they like to win championships. You don't get a ring for beating Kansas. You might make a T-shirt 
that has the final score on it and try to make a few bucks off of it. But to me, that's silly. I mean, those those T-shirts have always been super goofy to me. Right. But to simplify everything, I just want to say here, uh, to do the best to simplify it here, longevity, great chance to do it if you win championships. There's no doubt about that. To become a winning program and win the Big 12 is a very hard thing to do consistently. Mm-hmm. We've seen it a lot. The only team that's been consistent is the Kansas Jayhawks. But they didn't do it just because they beat K-State. It's because they're beating everybody else. All right, um, let's take our final break. Ask us anything. Going to wrap the show next. Am I wrong, Troy? Beating KU is not the uh, is not the measuring stick for success. To to show you're a successful program. Only in the aspect that it bragging rights because of the success that they have had as the Big Twelve champs. You can argue with your KU friend. Hey. We beat you guys this year. And then the KU friend comes back and goes, well, we got the overall record. Given that they're the tops in the conference, though, yeah, why not both? Sage, what do you have for us with Ask Us Anything? All right, what I have, uh, what personality trait gets you in the most trouble? Um, My honesty? I think when you're brutally honest, yeah, it gets it could it could get you in trouble with that you honestly shouldn't be in. Yeah, I can see because that. people get offended. Of course, <laughs> they can't. A lot of people can't take criticism. But it's the truth. Quick with the needle. Mm. Sometimes a little too quick with the needle. See, I think I'm a little confrontational, so <sighs> that can get me a bit in trouble. Not you. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Come on. <laughs> Um, and then last thing, what is one thing that you are the most OCD about? It's not my desk, that's for sure. I've kind of taken it. It's not <laughs> as messy as John's, but it uh, makes me OCD. My Sharpies. I don't think anything. Uh, I like my cleaning products in a certain order. However, I never use them, so it's easy to keep them in order. All right. Uh, we have Brian Smoller and almost 40-year-old Chris Brown coming up next with K-State Baseball at TCU. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you on Monday with Wildcat Insider.